Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Wood Talk Online with your hosts, Mark and Matt. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 15, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. I'm Mark Spagnolo, And I'm Matt Vanderlist. Welcome back, everybody. So, Yay. since it's been a little while since we had the last one up, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, something like that? Yeah, about two weeks, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, that gives you enough time to recover from the last episode. So, I, I say, uh, <laughs> right. you know, if you have anything that you want to tell us, any feedback in this long period between the last one that we did, you know how to get a hold of us. You can drop us a line at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can send us comments, questions, feedback. Uh, to get our addresses so you can send us free stuff, all that good kind of things, you know, mm -hmm. we, we like that. And mm -hmm. you can also, we have a voicemail now, not only on the website, which is woodtalkonline.com, but you can also send us a Skype, and you send that to 623-242-2450. Now, I'm not going to try and do it again. We'll make sure we have it in the show notes so you can definitely see it. Um, there you go. And just in case the Skype, speaking of Skype, made a little bit of a glitch there, just in case anyone didn't hear it. It was 623-242-2450. No, I don't think that was the Skype. That was me. That's the way I normally talk. <laughs> your your uh, robotic interference that occasionally comes along. <laughs> it's the, uh, but, the little uh, this German a, in me. <laughs> there you go. This, this is actually a real phone number. So uh, before we, you know, you could still contact us through your computer if you have a microphone set up and everything, but this is a real deal phone number. And I just set it up today. So if you call right away, you may not hear the proper voicemail, but it will take a message and uh, we'll be able to play it on the show. But it's a real phone number. That's right. So now when you're driving down the road in your car and you're going on a long trip and you decide you want to call us and say something, you now have the opportunity. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Sweet. I think that's awesome. Hopefully we'll get more voicemails now. I hope so. You know, and another thing you can do, not only can you send your comments, questions, suggestions to woodtalkonline at gmail.com, but if anybody remembers from the last episode, we were talking about this. We've got a great promo going with Highland Woodworking. They're giving us a uh, a, a great wood slicer bandsaw blade, custom sized for whatever bandsaw you have. And we're oh, going to yeah. give away one a month, and we've, we've got it going on. So we're, we're going to... Since we just started it uh, on the last episode, we're going to kind of give it a month in there to get everybody's names in. So if you're interested at all in maybe possibly winning this fantastic prize, uh, you can send us a line at wtopromo 
at gmail.com, WTO promo at gmail.com. And when you get your name in there, just let us know you want to be entered in for the, the, the free gift, the drawing, the gift, whatever you want to call it. And we'll make mm-hmm. sure that we throw your name in. And like I said, we're going to be giving away one of these a month. So get your name in. If you don't win, you know, this first month we come up, we'll, we'll just keep your name in. We'll just keep on going and going. And hopefully we can get enough bandsaw blades out of them that everybody wins. That's, that's the way that I look would at be- it. All 10 of our listeners will get a bandsaw blade. Oh, we're up to 10. Sweet. 10. Yeah, yeah. We doubled in the last few weeks. So That's awesome. And then uh, <laughs> one more thing. It's not so much related to uh, Wood Talk Online, but I know you want to hear about it anyways. And that's Router Bit of the Month is back at Matt's Basement Workshop. And it, it, this ha- happens to be the time that when I have this episode, my numbers spike. So I've been thinking about doing Router Bit of the Month every single episode. That but would I, be great. Yeah, it would be. But no, unfortunately, the manufacturers at Whiteside and Woodcraft aren't going to go for it. But... They're more than happy Let me to talk give us to them. One a month. I, I, I'm going to set them straight. Give me their phone number. Um, we have that restraining order. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I can't harass the sponsors. Okay. That's Damn right. It. So this past this this month though, we had we they gave us a great set. It was a style and rail bead pattern set. And uh, if you haven't checked out the video yet, I actually you probably haven't because I just posted it. So anybody that's interested, mm-hmm. you can head over there and check that out. But other than that, there's not cool. much else going on in my world. What's going on in your world, Mark? You got anything going on? I'm a busy little beaver these days. Um, you know, the usual stuff. I'm trying to get these uh, now down to two. Uh, the last two commissions for this uh, this particular armoire customer. I think people are probably sick of hearing the word because I know I am. I, I did uh, just have to you know, kind of cringe when you mentioned it. Armoire. Oh, yeah, it's, oh. It just digs into my brain like a dagger. But uh, it's the last two are the most interesting ones. They're all wangy with a little bit of maple uh, for certain particular parts. And... It's a very, very, very cool piece of uh, furniture I'll be making. The dilemma that I ran into today was a real bummer. Um, I spent well over $1,000 on Wangi for this. Yeah, so that was the the biggest uh, lumber purchase I've ever made. And I don't want to put the exact number out there, uh, but it's it's, it's, a big number. So um, I just started milling the material today. Uh And now this is really rough stuff. I try to buy my lumber as rough as possible. I, I prefer to mill it down myself. And this stuff was not only rough, but it was very dirty. It had been outside for a long time. So I, you know, looked pretty good. I, I knew it would clean up once I got it in the shop. And as I started to mill it today, what do I see after a couple passes through the planer? And mind you, after I've cut just about the entire supply of four quarter stock that I bought. Um, so we're talking a significant amount, like 50, about 52 board feet of material. And I notice a bunch of little pinholes all oh. over the place. Which means that there is either a current infestation or a you know old infestation of some sort of wood eating pest, and uh, that was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, not just for the material, but the fact that now I've got to go to the, the this place, which is about an hour away, and I've wasted my entire first half of the day getting this stuff cut to size and starting the milling. So, oh man, yeah, that was a little bit of a bummer. But fortunately, I got to say, Chandler Hardwoods, the place that I got the material from. Uh, just said, look, bring it back. And I took it there. They took one look at it and said, yeah, this uh, definitely had an issue and completely replaced every board, um, you know, free of charge, no problems, no questions asked. Nice. And uh, it's actually nicer material than the old stuff. It's straighter and uh, wider. And um, the good thing was the eight quarter material that I purchased along with it was perfectly fine. And that was actually in the stack was sitting, the four quarter was sitting on top of the eight quarter. So that's a pretty good indicator that whatever was 
infesting the material is probably gone because it hadn't touched the material underneath it. So gotcha. I was pretty confident to, you know, to tell the guy, look, it doesn't look like it's still alive. I think your your wood supply is safe, but nonetheless, I can't deal with this stuff. You, you got to take it back. So oh, they were totally cool about it. And, uh, you know, um, kudos for uh, not giving me crap about it. Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's a, you know, to me, that that's one of those points where, you, you know, there's a huge difference between like a lot of like smaller home and not smaller home centers, but the large home centers. And then being able to go to a specialist like that, you know, a specialized yeah. store, you're not going to get that kind of, can you imagine going to home Depot? If, if they even sold Wayne and being like, um, there's an infestation they'd be like, yeah, next. Yeah. Um, deal with it, pal. <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, exactly. You get that personal attention. And this guy knows that, well, I mean, I dropped over a thousand dollars on wood. I probably will do that again, you know. So, I mean, it's just smart business to make sure you take care of a customer. And you know, they still sold material. It's just this stuff now. They've got to re- reduce the price and just make sure people know what it is before they buy it. And uh, somebody's going to get a good deal and make some beautiful boxes out of it. You know, smaller stuff. Absolutely, yeah. They'll so throw it in the, they'll throw it in the uh, the discount pile. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. So. Uh, that's about it as far as, uh, you know, what's been happening in the shop. Um, Sweet. We, of course, have, you know, continued to develop the Wood Talk Online website, and mm-hmm. we have put up a, a few of our first articles, and I believe we've got uh, three up there now, including one from myself and uh, also... Oh, you were that, Mark. I thought that was somebody else. Sorry. Yeah, that that wasn't the uh, imposter. That was the real deal. Uh, we've also got an article by Tom and uh, another one by uh, Gail. So uh, everybody's chipping in and it's starting to actually roll. It's starting to look pretty good. Um, did you have a chance to read uh, Tom and Gail's articles? Yeah, I did. I especially like both of them. Uh, it's Gail's uh, really kind of hit home because I was finishing up a project and I'm getting ready to start one. And I, from the comments I've seen from everybody, I think it hit home for a whole bunch of people. She did a oh, really sure. great job with it. And I had to laugh at Tom's. I mean, uh, you know, a woodaholic, uh, how many of us, you know, would be in a 12-step program as a result of that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> No kidding. No kidding. Well, yeah, and I think they both offer great perspectives that I personally can't offer. I don't have children. They both have kids. Uh, Gail is a woman, and I like women, but I am not one. Right. And, yeah, uh, I, I can see where you might be a little off on that one. Yeah, I, I can't offer that perspective. Uh, but you know, being a woman in the, the world of cabinet making and being a mom and uh, a wife and all the other hats that she wears, it's very interesting to see how she uh, views things and, and what type of obstacles she might have to overcome as uh, as she tries to promote her business. And then you have Tom's perspective, who again is is, geez, I mean, how what percentage of our listeners do you think? he represents where he's the you know regular working dad who comes home and wants to uh, spend as much time in the shop as possible without you know angering the wife or neglecting his kids so oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know i'm sure there's a, a lot who, yeah, there's a lot of guys sound who, like <laughs> yeah exactly i mean and uh and of course there's my perspective and your perspective as well um and i believe you've even got a an article coming up pretty soon but we'll um, the basic idea, the basic gist of what I'm trying to do is space things out a little bit until I have a more dependable flow of content. So um, a few of the people we actually have writing articles, in addition to our regulars, um, I've got a upcoming article from Joe uh, at joewoodworker.com, and he also has a website that is uh, veneersupplies.com, and I'll have all the links in the in the show notes for you. Okay. Uh, he's going to have a nice, uh, just a basic uh, general article on veneering. We'll also get some articles, hopefully more than, than a few, uh, from John Lucas. Um, you're familiar with woodshopdemos.com? Yeah, I've stopped by there a few times. 
Yeah, very, very popular website. He does a lot of demonstrations of uh, setup uh, and usage of equipment and different brands of equipment. He does a lot of festival demos nowadays. Uh, Mm -hmm. But John's a great guy. He's a contributor in the forums, and I asked him if he'd be interested in writing something up and doing a little cross-promotion, and he's uh, he's totally up for it. Sweet. And, yeah, and I've even contacted Neil over at the Fernatology podcast. Okay. And he seems to be uh, into it. He's... He seems to have a very strong design background. Like he, he tinkers in a whole world that I'm really not even aware of. Like he blurts out these names of people that to him are, you know, just famous, you know, and I have no idea who they are. So like, like DJ Dupree, maybe exactly. I'd never <laughs> heard of that. I, that, that I had, yeah, I don't know who that was until he went into the details. And I'm like, Oh, I guess this is somebody, you know? So it's yep. always interesting to get, that that other perspective from a, from a guy who clearly is into a whole different world of woodworking than I am. Yeah, you know, uh, I meant to drop him a line about that. Sorry to interrupt, but it's funny because no, I don't. finally got caught up on some of his episodes. I hate to say uh-huh. it, but I've been falling behind because the, the damn day job keeps getting in the way. <laughs> but I, we got the internet job. at work now, and I finally get to get caught up on a bunch of these things. And it turns out Herman Miller, he always talks about Herman Miller because DJ Dupree was a big part of that. They are literally down the road from me. And, oh really? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's literally it's uh, Zealand uh, is only about twenty thirty minutes away from me, and I always thought it was just like Herman Miller. I think of you know industrial furniture and stuff like that. I didn't realize yeah. how big it was until I heard him talk about it. Now I'm like I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. Well, that's the thing, and then I I even wrote an article about my personal heroes being um, you know not not the mainstream people. And I, I think it's just another example of that where it's a small niche area where certain people are aware of who these amazing artists and amazing minds are, uh, you know, so you get to enjoy them because they become a little bit more accessible that way. So, right. um, and we'll also have an article by our good buddy Kaleo. We've answered right. a few, uh, yeah, voicemails and emails from Kaleo and he's a, he's a, um, student at, um, oh, what is it? The Australian something fine woodworking school. And uh, I just thought he had a really interesting story, and I want to hear more about it. So I asked him if he'd be interested in contributing a couple articles, and uh, he, he was up for it. So Sweet. Yeah, we'll be getting a lot of interesting perspectives that you can't really find anywhere else. You know, cool. So that's that's kind of the, the gist of it, the, the whole point of what we're trying to do here. Sweet. Yeah, definitely. I have to bone up on my reading now. Darn it. Yep. It's going to be plenty of it. Well, good thing they got internet at work for you, so now you can actually get something done, uh, you know. That's yeah, I know. Not... The problem is they keep bringing my regular work to me, and I'm like, "What are you doing? I didn't, nah. I didn't show up here for this." That crap just gets in the way. It does. It's it, it's just a pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you know, speaking of articles, um, I wrote a little something about this. Uh, um, just a little blurb that's going to be showing up on Wood Talk Online. But uh, this weekend in the Wall Street Journal, they uh, there's a thing called the Weekend Journal. One of my bosses actually came in and plopped this down on my desk. I thought I was in trouble, but <laughs> apparently. Um, a bunch of high-end kind of CEOs of these large companies have discovered something that I think all of us already kind of knew all along, and that's that woodworking is actually kind of relaxing, and it's kind of fun, and it can kind of be a stress reliever. I mean, I was I was shocked when I read that. Now I have a feeling I'm going to be fighting these you know, high-end CEOs showing up in their limos to uh, get my <laughs> tools and stuff, but <laughs> I want to see how they're going to get some lumber in the back of those things. I think that would be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I got a chance to look at that article. I didn't um, read it as thoroughly as I should have, but I kind of got the gist in what it was about. And it does it, – it is kind of funny because it makes it seem like – I don't know, at least the the quick impression that I got is they almost – 
made it out to be as if it's this like like golf, you know, like it's a rich man's sport. Oh yeah, in, in a sense where everything is really expensive and um, you know, like I said, I, I you would know more if you actually read the whole article um, than I do, of course. But it just seemed to me like it almost gave a bad impression about woodworking in the sense that you know you're you're the purists and Neanderthal people out there. Um, are probably going to be in an uproar over that to say, you know what, this isn't woodworking. Let me show you what woodworking is, and they show you their workbench and a, a you know a simple hand plane and a couple chisels, and and that's woodworking. You know, woodworking is not uh, all about three phase power. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, in a five horsepower, fourteen inch table saw. You know, so I, I like I said, I'm guilty of not reading the full article, but so forgive me if I've missed the gist of it. But it seemed like it may have almost cast a more commercial light uh, on, on the hobby and the industry than it probably should have. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely is. It's really kind of funny because there's actually a picture in here where they show – I'm not sure which exec this is, but it's down in his shop, and he's got this basically a, a, a milling machine, and it says he's working on a stool, you know, and I'm like, what the hell is <laughs> – what the hell is he making Wait, it out of? Who's working on it, him or the machine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just kind of standing on it. It doesn't look easy. It's one of those, it's like an XYZ table. It's all over the place. And then kind of looking in the background, I'm like, what the hell machine is that? I've never seen anything like that. But it looks like it's one of those you just load it up, uh, punch the button. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy has a CNC machine in there and is like, you know, right. off drinking his coffee while his, you know, all his equipment's being you know, used to uh, make whatever he's going to come up with. And That's like the Jetsons when they used to cook dinner by just pushing a button and a you know nice meal came out and that the mom was cooking dinner yeah exactly i mean and, and it's it's funny because when you do kind of read through this you get this whole thing you know like, talking about like high-end hardware and handmade you know planes and how you know it's like this is the new hot thing it's like the return of the yuppies it's just that now the yuppies are all down in the pot you know in the in the workshop and they're buying up all the good right. stuff and you know we're gonna be fighting these guys you know we won't well we won't be seeing them down at the flea market because they're gonna be like why would i pay twenty dollars when i could pay five thousand dollars for this <laughs> just just order it online that's yeah. the easiest way exactly so yeah well, it, you know the only thing is it's mainstream exposure for the hobby and bottom line there's got to be some positive uh well not just some there's probably a significant amount of positive uh you know result of, of an article like this being published you know just making it making people aware and making some other CEOs go, Hey, how come I'm not doing this? You know, so-and-so is doing this. Maybe I should look into this woodworking thing. You yeah. know? Although maybe some of the high end clients though, that some of the professional woodworkers were catering to and now are going to start making their own. We better put in, you know, put an end to that real quick. <laughs> oh yeah. You got to stomp that out before it gets out of control. We don't want people making their own stuff. Yeah. Either that or, you know, they're going to be buying up all the good exotic lumber while we're like, oh, I'll take that piece of pine. <laughs> Still using pine and alder for everything. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, one thing I wanted to do, um, you know, I think what's it been now since, uh, the wood whisperer has been around, it's been less than a year last November. And how long have you been doing, um, uh, Matt's Basement Workshop. Oh, since it's like January 27th, 2006. I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I've only been doing this for about a year, but no, it's it's been almost a year and a half now. Okay. All right. So yeah. we both got a little bit of time, but still clearly a relatively new phenomenon with the whole concept of podcasts and online video shows and, yep. and whatnot. But since, um, you know, like I said, when I got into it, you were just about, not just about, you were the only uh, guy on the block. I mean, there were a few... Uh, videos listed in iTunes, but they were completely inactive. The the last video was posted, you know, well over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So the only active participant that I saw was you. Right. And, um, you, you know, souls. so then I figured, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, this seems like a game I can get into. So I started the Wood Whisperer 
And since then, there have, you know, a couple have come and gone, but there have been a few regulars who, um, you know, have contributed to the, the online woodworking community. Um, now, mind you, there may be some other ones that I don't even know about, but the most, the easiest way to make your podcast visible for anyone who doesn't know is to put it in iTunes. Make sure you're in iTunes. Yep. Um, as far as, excuse me, most of the world is concerned with online uh, video or audio content. If you're not in iTunes, you pretty much don't exist. It's it's like if you can't be found in Google, you don't exist. It's kind of the same thing with podcasts and uh, mm-hmm. uh, video and audio content in iTunes. So um, anyway, just a little tip. If you have a podcast, make sure you're in there. Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be dead to the world. So I, I thought it would be pretty interesting if we reviewed some of the ones that have cropped up. I know in the beginning, you and I always tried to give a shout out to any other websites or uh, podcasts that have sprung up just to help them get a little boost and get them started. Absolutely. But since, yeah, I mean, and since then there's been quite a few. So it's, it, there, there does seem to be some sort of a resurgence here and the whole internet video, internet audio and user generated content thing has actually come into the woodworking world, which mm-hmm. is awesome to see. And that's, you know, that's at this point how I'm making a living. So, well, I mean, look uh, at the other, the rise of glue tube over at, you know, fine woodworking. I mean, it's, yeah, it, yeah. Really, it really has taken off, and it's and it, it what cracks me up is I think there are so many shows out there, not just woodworking, but all the other podcasts. This is my little uh-huh. my little tangent here, but you know a lot of people are always fighting for their one little spot. But I think you know, like you said, there's so many have come up and everything, and we have made an effort to kind of reach out to them a little bit. And it's right. yeah, it's woodworking is so varied amongst so many people. I mean, every woodworker is a little bit different the type of projects they like to work on, and oh, yeah. we we try to cover you know as much as we can. But I think there are some that it's you know maybe they're a little bit more specialized than others so it's like one of those dude you know go for it i think you know what you're doing so or at least you know give it a good shot so that's I, it's great that these came along yeah i support it wholeheartedly i think any of these videos anybody who makes an effort to actually you know go through the trouble of doing all of that work and i'm sure every one of them has realized after you know doing one or two shows like wow this actually is quite a bit of work to do this yep. um, and many of them maintain a, you know regular jobs and this is not what they're doing for a living so it's a real challenge for them to keep doing these things but i applaud anybody who makes the effort i think it's just fantastic for uh, us as woodworkers i just i know in the past couple of years it's been so frustrating to see the diminishing amounts of content available through mainstream media Mm -hmm. and it just you know where's it all going do we have to sit here and watch and don't you know amy devers is great but i don't think she does a good woodworking show and i don't think that's what the show is about the show is about her doing these industrial arts sort of designs and and it's cool i do enjoy watching it but it is not a replacement for a wood woodworking show by any means right um you know so what what do we do you know where and the answer is well, you can learn so much from the guy next door, you know, who may have a couple cool tips, you know, and that's that's what this is. The guy next door now has a voice that can be heard by millions of people. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and everybody does, you know, the same thing, maybe just a little bit different. And so maybe you can find the one thing that totally works for you. And it just, yeah, yeah that, that that's exactly it. I've always said before, and I'll always say again, I always feel like I'm learning more by sharing with everybody. And if you can stand to share what I'm going to share with you, then right. you're helping me out just as much as hopefully I'm helping you or at least give you a good laugh for the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think now the challenge is for a lot of these uh, organizations and people who are trying to put these things out there is to compete with the big media. 
media because at some point big media realizes that this is a great place for them to put their content. So they start to produce podcasts, but they've got the backing of, you know, multi-million dollar companies behind them. So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of phenomenon works its way. You know, the woodworking world is sort of just a couple steps behind, let's say the tech world. Um, so the big tech companies will go and make their own podcasts and compete. And the same thing with, um, you know, with audio, like the NPR shows, they wind up putting those on as podcasts and they kick butt in the ratings because people know who N- NPR is, yep. you know, so the little guy has a little bit of a hard time. Uh, you know, they have to fight the big media kind of, uh, I mean, some people see it as them kind of butting their nose into an area where they don't belong, but it still is content. It's good content and very well produced. It's kind of cool to have. So yep. anyway, let's getting off on a complete podcasting tangent here. Oh, what were we talking about today? Uh, well, this is a woodworking uh, uh, audio podcast, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we're not pirate radio. Well, we kind no. of are, but. Right, so Arr, pirate me. All right. So I've got um, a, just a little bit of a list here and I've taken uh well, I've only got about two clips here that we can listen to okay. uh, from a couple of the cool shows out there now. Um, so uh, just to run down the list, we've got, of course, Matt's Basement Workshop and The Wood Whisperer. You guys oh, should know. my two favorites. Those are the yeah, best. My fave. You guys should definitely know who those two goons are. Completely bookmarked. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's also uh, Stu's Shed, okay. and that is done by a fella named Stu, coincidentally. Oh. Now, Stu does this great thing. He's, I mean, you want to see a small workshop? Stu has got a small workshop. Really? Uh, he's, <laughs> he's in Australia. He's got this little tiny shed, literally, and uh, sets the camera up and does some quick lessons and gives you a bunch of little tips. And it's it's really neat to watch. It's just nice. a very cool. Yeah, I've, I've been in contact with him a couple times. He just seems like a really laid back, cool guy and just uh, some fun content to watch there. And he's putting shows out on a, on a pretty regular basis. Cool. Uh, next up, this is probably one of my favorites that's out there besides my, my own. Um, it's, <clears throat> um, yeah, exactly. Um, now this one has affiliations. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like affiliations with Bob Yeah. Yeah. Bob Vila.com. Yep. It's, it's like they encourage people to make video kind of like Lumberjocks does where people make a lot of different videos and can put them on the site. Um, or like glue tube for instance on, um, finewoodworking.com. But it's it's like their feature show, you know, that they, they have a bunch of these other ones, but this is the one that they really push. And um, it's called The Rough Cut Show. That's right. With T-Chisel. With T-Chisel. And the guy's hilarious. I mean, he's he's abrasive and he's got an interesting sense of humor, but he's totally the kind of guy that I would, you know, probably hang out with on the weekend and, you know, sit back and uh, crack a beer open and just hang out. I mean, he's he's just like a regular guy, but he's he's pretty funny. Yeah, he almost reminds me of like a, a cross between like you know the hardcore woodworker and surfer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just he, the, he the way he comes across. And yeah, and he's definitely he's got an attitude, and he just he reminds me a little bit of how I operate with my stepdad in the shop because he's got a guy that works with him in the shop that's uh, <laughs> oh, man. you know kind of the, receives the uh, he's on the receiving end of most of his jokes and things. Um, but it's very short format, very quick. The guy does excellent work. If you could check out his website, you'll see he's you know he's the real deal. Um, but it's just kind of a funny little show and, uh, you know, if you don't have a sense of humor, don't watch it because he is, you know, he does push the limits a little bit and there, there's some, uh, bleeped over cursing. So just (laughs) as a warning, but uh, to me that that's hilarious. But anyway, it's called the rough cut show. And 
I, I have a little clip here now. Of course, it is video, and I can't make video go through audio here, but I will play um, just a little clip where you can hear he's talking about a plane that he's making this Bombay secretary, and it's got the these wide curved sides. So to try and dish out with a plane this inner inside curve and make it nice and smooth and consistent, he actually took a wooden plane and retrofitted and actually uh, cut that curve into the sole of the plane so that he can, you know, get this thing surfaced properly. And uh, let me just play a couple seconds of this so you guys okay. can, uh, you know, hear, hear what he's talking about. Sweet. What I decided that I was going to do was try to make a plane that was going to have the same curve as the uh, pattern inside here. So it would be easy for me to remove the material <clears throat> inside the, um, the, the case. So um, I ended up just having an old wooden plane around my shop. And um, Steve and I got to thinking and talking. And, you know, we decided that it would probably be best if I could retrofit a plane to that, to this, like, um, curve. And then it would be easy to keep, you know, the... It'll be easy to plan the inside of it and keep it flat. Otherwise, it, it would be really difficult to try to take two lines on either side of the board and remove that material and keep it flat over two feet without having a plane. So, so you get the idea. Um, it's it's just very cool what he actually does to to handle that curved part of uh, of this Bombay secretary. And that just so, goes to show, you know, uh, how woodworkers really kind of, you know, we, we were problem solvers and you come up with stuff yeah. like that. You know, and if you haven't experienced anything like that, when you check out any of these shows, you know, you, we might actually occasionally give you a golden tip where you're just like, oh, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and then watching this is that kind of thing because this guy's, you know, a real furniture maker. And, you know, sometimes – when we get into this as a hobby, you just think that there's a tool solution out there for everything and, and everything has a price. You just got to buy the right thing. Right. And it's kind of interesting to see someone come up with a situation where he goes, I don't know of any tool that will handle what I need to do. So you know what? I'm going to make one. You know, so, yeah. I just I think that's just really cool. So anyway, uh, cool. Let's, I have to give all of our candidates equal time. So I'm moving on. Okay. Um, I don't want to show preference. Oh, I do. Uh, um, next, we're going to go. Oh, just kidding. Let's go back to uh, to Matt's Basement Workshop. Yeah. Um, and what's going on over there? All right. So there is another one called uh, Woodworking Online. Now, these guys, um, if I recall correctly, came out uh, pretty soon Pretty soon after I did. They've been around yep. for a while now. They actually are the guys from the Woodsmith store. Mm -hmm. um, and they, I guess they have weekly or monthly demos and uh, seminars in the store and they just film that seminar which is incredibly informative and it's fantastic and you can actually sit there and, and get some really good information and and they do the whole thing it looks pretty much unedited so if it took an hour it, it'll be like an hour long so it's a pretty long podcast <laughs> um but you know what people are i don't know if they pay to get that seminar but people there's a lot of people in the crowd and you get you know the best seat in the house you know you get the zoom in from the camera and it, it looks and sounds pretty good so yeah, uh, i really yeah very informative i really enjoy that podcast um yeah. they got see. a whiteboard so they can put a lot of stuff up there in case they can't get their idea across <laughs> Right. <laughs> Actually, their stage is kind of cool, like where they do their demos. It's like a little mini shop. It's it's pretty neat looking. Uh, moving on, we've got Woodworkers Resource, and uh, Craig runs that site over mm -hmm. there. And um, the, he's got, what, two, three episodes now? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's like about three. Yep. And, and, uh, uh, oh, I was going to say, that the, yeah, the one, neat, one neat thing with that is that Craig's is, at least the one thing that I've really picked on is uh, 
in the, what, the last episode, he was doing the one for the kids. I mean, yep. I, I didn't mean to step in there, but it, that's the one, if I remember right, is he really kind of pushes the woodworking with kids. Yeah, that does seem to be his angle. He's got, uh, I believe he's even got a book. Uh, I don't I don't remember. It's been a while yeah. since I've been in his store, but he's got a book and T-shirts and things like that. But he definitely seems to push the involve the kids in these activities kind of angle, which, again, you know, that's, that's what's great about this. That's something I would never be able to do for anybody because <laughs> I, I don't want kids anywhere near my shop. Yeah. Uh, so. The extent of my with my kids is, hey, pick up that wood. Hey, move yeah. that over there. Hey, go sweep, touch the, that. go sweep the floor over there for me, would you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now this one is not as so much woodworking specific as it is just general tools, and most uh, most woodworkers would also be interested in something like this. It's a podcast called Tool Talk, and it's from the guys at toolmonger.com, and it's uh, basically a blog-style site that reviews tools, just automotive and uh, woodworking and otherwise, just everything you could think of. So they've uh, they've got some pretty funny things. They you know we follow a very similar uh, format here on Wood Talk Online. It's just mm-hmm. two dudes you know talking about, but they review a lot of the things that are on the site. Um, so if you're reading the site, it's you know might be some redundant information, but it's nice to hear just two guys chatting about it. So here's here's a little clip, and I don't even know. I just kind of picked a random spot. So let's, <laughs> let's hear. Worse, what, <laughs> yeah, let's hear what this one sounds like. Well, what I did was I took a plane. Okay. I flattened it right. Now that's what happens. When you hit the same damn one that was just on before. I was like, wow, that guy sounds a lot like T. Chisel. <laughs> All right, number two was uh, my sweet new Swiss Army Pioneer. And uh, I, I had mentioned on the podcast yesterday that I got one of these uh, uh, recently here for my birthday. And uh, as we, we always send sharp instruments of death to, uh, to our family <laughs> members. And uh, I, I guess my dad got tired of me bitching about not having mine anymore or anything so he went and found one for me and basically what this is is a a swiss army knife with uh metal textured handles okay now when you say swiss army knife though we got to say this thing is much thinner when (laughs) i think swiss army knife i think like three quarters of an inch or an inch (laughs) exactly you know where it's like it's really cool but you got to wear it batman style because if you put it in your pocket it'll hurt you yeah so there you go. That's the tool talk, guys. Um, they're pretty funny, and a lot, half of the time I wind up tuning it out because I don't know what they're talking about. I'm not into cars by right. any means, and they do talk a lot about cars. So any of you car people, uh, that's definitely a good podcast to listen to. But they do touch on woodworking stuff now and then. Yeah, I think once I, I tuned in and there was something about some uh, brake caliber pullers or something like that, I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll fast forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, it's a general tool. It, that's, it is what it is. It's tool talk. It's every kind of tool. So uh, moving on in this fantastic little list of ours, we've got the Novice Garage Woodworker, and that is a podcast done by Eric Pearson. And he only has a couple episodes, and I think, um, you know, he's he's realized how how tricky this can be sometimes to, to get a quality episode out there. But um, I'm really excited. I hope he comes out with more episodes because, um, I mean, he's going to, again, offer a, a beginner's perspective as he's starting on his uh, journey to becoming a craftsman. So, yep. um, again, just to repeat, we will have links to all of these, yep. uh, including uh, Eric's site as well. Now, the latest one to pop up is called The Folding Rule. And just looking into it a little bit deeper, I can't, and I feel bad because I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, but Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He's a active member on Lumberjocks, it okay. looks like. And he's taken some of the, um, I, I think with what Martin's done over there at Lumberjocks has really inspired people to create videos as much as possible. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think this is an extension of that. I believe uh, some of the stuff that I saw, he definitely makes a lot of mention of Lumberjocks. So I have a feeling it's kind of tied into to Martin's little uh, kingdom over there. Okay. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's woodworking content on video and definitely worth checking out. Now, all of these if you haven't used iTunes, it's a great resource to get all of your video and audio podcasts uh, well beyond just the woodworking stuff. Everything is there, mm-hmm. and it's a great way to aggregate it. It has nothing to do with an iPod, just so you can get these things downloaded automatically, just waiting for you on your computer when you get there. Check out iTunes, and um, easiest thing to do, go into the iTunes store, type in woodworking in the search, and it will bring up all of these podcasts and uh, some older ones that have gone away yeah. and a few other unrelated things. But yeah. uh, all of these will be there and just subscribe to all of them and they'll be sitting there waiting for you in your uh, in your podcast portion of your library. Absolutely. Yeah. And bring up the newest ones and it's just so much easier mm-hmm. than going from website to website and waiting for download to download. This takes care of all of it. Yeah, definitely the way to go. Yeah, it's like almost having a TV, you know, just waiting for you at your computer. If you leave your computer on, you know, go to work, let it download. When you come back, you'll have all those episodes. Absolutely. All kinds of shows just waiting for you. You can create your own little TV network. You never have to leave. Well, that you can. You got to pay the bills somehow, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unless you get an online job somehow. Oh, that'd be nice. Selling candles or something. Or woodworking tools. There you go. Or. Wenge with uh, defects. Holes in it. Yep. <laughs> Discounted Wenge. <laughs> so anyways, you know, moving on now, we, we talked about voicemails at the beginning of the show and how you can you know go to the website at WoodTalkOnline. Uh, yeah, WoodTalkOnline.com uh-huh. and leave us a message there. Or we have the, the new Skype voicemail, which we will make sure that we leave the number in the, the show notes for you so you can call anytime you want to. And yep. it looks like we actually we had a voicemail come in. So Hooray! let's see. I think this is Jeff. And uh, Jeff has a question question about friction-free surfaces. Jeff, Mm -hmm. take it away. Hi, guys. I had a question about my shop. I have several wooden tabletops and just different wooden surfaces in the shop that aren't laminated or have UHMW or anything like that on top of them. I was wondering um, what a good friction-free finish would be outside of just simply laminating them. Thanks. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, Wax paper. (laughs) <laughs> just coat everything with wax coat paper. Paper. there you go <laughs> spray adhesive and then uh coat that down um hmm, that's a, that that's really that's a good one uh well i think we would need a little bit of clarification though because right. he he does talk about laminating things and he says he does not want that but then he says what type of finish would be a friction free finish now the the problem is i don't really associate very many finishes at all whether it's lacquer you know 
poly, uh, shellac, whatever. Right. I don't really associate those as friction-free. So he did say finish, but I don't really... Are there any friction-free finishes or anyone that you would call friction-free? Not that I can think of. I mean, if I ever put a finish on a wood floor, I don't think I would find myself sliding across it unless I did something <laughs> with, like, put wax on it. <laughs> yeah, so I think when he says friction-free, to me, that means melamine. That means laminate of some sort, something right. that you know has a plastic base to it that's going to repel moisture completely, right. not just be you know moisture resistant. So Ooh, I guess you could, to, you could wrap the table in aluminum. Oh, and, there you go. You know, it definitely wouldn't stick that way. Metal, yeah, yeah, metal would definitely work. I wonder so. if one of those epoxies, like the uh, the the clear coat thing, like um, like you would put on your garage floor that makes it really easy for. Well, actually, wasn't that supposed to friction it so you don't slide all over the place? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, they usually have you add those goofy little little chips into the material to make it textured but even still any paint any epoxy any other type of finish has some sort of friction to it so right. just you know to qualify that if he's looking for something to be as close to a melamine surface as possible i would say he probably just wants something hard mm -hmm. you know so a lacquer or a shellac you know those two dry to a very hard layer and would probably be you know you could probably buff it out so it's very Low friction, there if that's go. what he's really looking for. But honestly, the easiest thing for him to do is just go get a piece of uh, melamine, a piece of hardboard, or, or some of that high-pressure laminate material mm -hmm. uh, that they saw. I know a lot of people with my assembly table project, I used uh, eighth-inch hardboard, but they mentioned going and getting a high-pressure laminate that's about an eighth of an inch and using that for the top surface. Any of those things, any of the above, would be perfect for that and probably the cheapest, easiest thing to do because you just buy a big sheet of it and cut it down and, you know, secure it to the top of your bench top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything off the – although it doesn't surprise me, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But, yeah. Yeah, well, if we if we miss the point, Jeff, just uh, send us an email or give us a call back and let us, you know, clarify what, what, you, what you meant by that. But hopefully we – Right, you know, cover, and, covered and if, what you were looking for. Right, and if anybody else did get it where we didn't get it, just send yeah. us some feedback at woodtalkonline at gmail dot com. There you go. <laughs> and exactly. We're more than happy to pass that on because it happened before. Right. <laughs> All right, moving on to Jim's email. Oh, he says, Jim. Uh, "Jim, Jim, Slim Jim." Oops. Okay, he says, "I like the podcasts." I'm a geologist that travels a lot, and they keep me thinking about being in my shop while I'm on the road. My question is one about jointer and planer knives. At what point do you decide to change or sharpen your knives? Mine still do an okay job uh, from a few very small ridges, and the surfacing is still pretty smooth as well. Just curious to see what indicators you look for in these power tools because I dread changing out the knives. P.S. I hope this can land a spot on Wood Talk so that Matt can shout out some silly answer. Thanks for your help. <laughs> Jim, Matt, would you like to shout out a silly answer? Uh, I, I'm actually I can't at the moment because the kids are right here. I had a perfect one for this, but <laughs> well, actually, you know, one thing I always do notice is that when my blades are starting to get dull, I can always tell because I always have to have help holding it down while I push it through. That's my main yeah. thing. Is if I if I need somebody standing behind me, like you know, you know, you push down and we're gonna push together. And mm -hmm. uh, there's that grinding sound. The blades start. The motor starts dying down. Mm, that's right. my first hint that something's wrong. But then again, I'm not always the one that sees the most obvious things. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it comes down to when it, like you said, it, it's almost the exact same thing. When it becomes a little bit too labor intensive to do what used to be very easy to do. So it, whether it's over the jointer, whether it's through the planer, if you have to start giving the planer a little help 
pushing that piece through. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, wax the bed and clean the rollers, too. That might be the problem as well. But when it starts to become a job getting that piece of wood through there, um, that's, of course, the first sign. Uh, secondarily, I would say if it starts to show signs of burning. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a real problem. That That's a clear indicator that things are a little bit too dull. Um, you know, if you're really familiar with your machine, a lot of times the sound uh, yeah. can indicate. I was going to say, because like with mine, I know, it, well, I've, it's new, and I haven't been, I honestly, I haven't been running through that much wood, but I can actually yeah. hear just a pinch. Yeah, you, you hear that. It's almost like a whining sound, and you can tell when it's whining, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, and, well, and the other thing is I think every machine might have a slightly different nuance to uh, the properties of it that, you know, whatever it sounded like when it was first you know, brand new and sharp, it stops sounding like that. And you, you can kind of pick that up a little bit. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, it takes a long time. I mean, and I'm, you know, cranking some stuff through here. Uh, I don't sharpen mine that often. And part of the reason is because I've always got some other step after this that I'm going to do to the wood. As long as it gets the job done, I can, you know, pass it through the drum sander or, you know, do a significant amount of sanding afterwards to clean it up. So it'll take a while, you know, but as a hobbyist, I think it will take quite a while. You probably shouldn't have to sharpen more than once a year unless you're doing some uh, seriously heavy, heavy woodworking. Right. And if you're a light weekend woodworker, you may not even have to do it once a year. You may do it every uh, every two years. But right. if there's no, you know, audible, visible, or, uh, you know, any any type of signal that's making you question whether they're sharp, then they're probably still sharp enough. Right. Let's put it this way. If your fingertips are turning white because you're pushing so hard down to get it through, yeah. eh, that might be a good sign. <laughs> uh, and don't forget to wax. You know, if you the first time that happens when it becomes a real chore pushing a piece through anything, just go get some wax. Wax the tables, wax the bed, and just make sure it's nice and smooth, and you'll probably find that that actually was the culprit first. Eventually, it'll be the blades, but in the beginning, the first several times, it's probably just needs you know to be a little bit. Uh, the table needs to be a little bit cleaner. That's right. You need to go Ralph Macchio on those things. Wax on, wax off, yeah. wax on, wax no. off. <laughs> now, okay. So you pronounce his name Machio? I don't know. I pronounce everything wrong. I can barely pronounce my own last name. <laughs> well, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard it pronounced Machio, right. Machio, and uh, I'm I, I fall in the Machio. Machio. Camp it's, I think the rest of my family does. That's probably why. They have no idea who I'm talking about. Hey, let's watch that Ralph Macchio movie. Which one's <laughs> that? The Karate Kid. He's not in but that. But honestly, <laughs> I've never heard anyone say Machio, but I think that's funny. Yeah, well, my mom says rather than nachos, they're nanchos. Nanchos? And, right, and she loves the YMCA song, Mancho Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. That, that's pretty funny. Okay. Off on a tangent again. Sorry okay, about sorry that. about that. So hopefully, Jim, we answered your question. <clears throat> yeah. It's definitely an experience thing. <laughs> yeah, well, he just well, – and he got something silly. It wasn't an answer to his question, but he got something silly from you. You say you say Machio. That's so. right. And, and, and <laughs> eventually I'll say Mancho Man too. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. So let's move on to another email we have here which is, hi, guys. Uh, I know that you get questions about what constitutes a good basic toolkit. Here's a publication from the folks at Popular Woodworking that goes with their I Can Do That column, provides a foundation for the column, and could also be useful to you. Regards, oh, it's it's Jay. Um, Jay. Jay. Uh, the letter J. Like Jay. Share. Oh, uh, you know what? My link's not opening here. Um, okay. Let's see here. Well, it is. It's a PDF document, and this is a long. Um, it's a long link, so okay. we'll we'll put that in the show notes. But yep. it looks like a direct download for the PDF. Okay. 
but it. I did I did read it. it is it is pretty cool. Check it out. It is as far as a basic toolkit. That actually is a great uh, thing that they're doing over there. This I can do that column. Yeah. It, it's like really geared toward what a lot of us. Once you get to a certain point in your hobby or in your career, it can be very difficult to take a step back and remember what it was like when you first started. Mm-hmm. And, and this is geared toward that type of person who may have a basic complement of tools, who doesn't want to make a huge investment, and they still want to build projects. And you know, it's exactly what the title says: "I can do that." Right. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of times, even I think sometimes. A lot of times, sometimes. <laughs> a lot of times, sometimes. Not uh, often. It, yeah, it seems like a, a, a <laughs> many people. I know myself. You, you get to that point where you start finding like these neat joinery techniques, these neat tools. You know, kind of you start stepping away from the basic stuff. And that was the one thing when I first saw this uh, this thing come out. This column. It was like one of those. It's kind of nice to step back and just do a few basic things because you can get your good foundation, you know, with that and build yeah. off of it. Because I mean, every house has to have a decent foundation, and so does every woodworker. Ooh, right. That should exactly. Be so so door. does so does every good haircut. Yes. And actually, uh, my my wife said that to me the other day because I was growing my hair out way too long, <laughs> and I like cutting my own hair. So it's one. Or, I have one of two options: either let it keep growing, or I cut it myself, and it usually winds up being way shorter than what generally looks good on me. So. She's like, just let me take you to get your hair cut. They'll, they'll just cut, you know, they'll just put the foundation in and then we can, you know, try to cut it ourselves from there. And I just was laughing. I'm like, what do you mean foundation? I'm like, I, it's not a house on top of my head. What are you trying to do? First, but we're, we're going to feather it underneath, Mark. And then we're going to come back and do a little. <laughs> well, like, it's not quite that easy. You know, you don't don't just uh, throw up some uh, two by fours and, uh, you know, throw the rafters and the joists in and call it done. But um, yeah, it was just kind of funny. Anyway, geez, <laughs> tangent tangent number five today. That's where we belong, just in Tangentville. In Tangent. We should just have a tangent show. <laughs> just never actually talk about the topics and just keep skirting the topics. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jim's going to get us back on track here with his question. Okay. Uh, he's, got a, uh, he's building a cherry dresser. Uh, he'd like to use half-inch solid cherry for the drawers. The drawers will be inset and will run on wood and dust panels. And he says that he's thinking of using a sixteenth of an inch gap all the way around the drawers. Do you think this gap is adequate? And he doesn't want the drawers to stick in humid weather, but uh, wants a nice clean look. Wants to know if he's better off using half-inch cherry ply. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Now, the thing is, if he uses half-inch cherry ply, that's going to help him in terms of his sides, but it's not going to do much to help him for the front i imagine he wants solid fronts right yeah definitely you know so i would definitely say stick with the solid wood all around it's going to be much more you know elegant of a piece and then you're really only too concerned with your vertical dimension Mm -hmm. Um, now what i would say is a 16th that's pretty standard that's about what i shoot for what he has to do i think is he should probably think about what time of year it is and look at where this piece of furniture is going to be stored, where it's going to spend its life, and try and figure out what part of the yearly cycle of humidity you're in. So if your summers are more humid and it gets real dry in the wintertime with you know enclosed houses and dry heat, um, you know that it's going to be at its moistest right now. Right. You know, and it's only going to shrink from here. So you could plan for it. And if you you know if if it happens to be a really dry time for whatever reason right now. Um, you know, think in terms of, you know, where you are in the season and what is most likely going to happen to that piece. Now, 16th of an inch, I mean, depending on where you are, if you live, you know, in, in uh, 
really, really humid area, you know, you live down south or something, you may have to be concerned about what the summer is going to do. But keep in mind that if that wood is properly acclimated right now, you are in the summer. Mm -hmm. So if there is any expansion, it will be, you know, minimal from what it is right now. What you have to plan for is shrinkage. Right. You know, so you may want to be, you know, go more like a, you know, I would say make it a little bit less, slightly less than a 16th of an inch, knowing that things are going to pull in a little bit as it dries up. But in general, unless it's a giant size drawer, a 16th is probably going to be fine. Just, you know, right. keep an eye on it. And if it tightens up, it's solid wood. You could always plane it down or, uh, you know, it's probably, I would recommend probably only waxing the drawer sides or maybe a coat of shellac and wax. That's easy enough to redo if you, uh, if you need to finesse the fit later on down the line. Right. That was the one thing I was thinking when you mentioned the, you know, accommodating for like the humidity change and everything. And the fact that it is the summer and especially around here, this is the most humid time of the year. It's the perfect time for me to make stuff because I know it's going to be perfectly fine for the winter. Unfortunately, right. I built a dresser not so long ago for my wife and I that I built it in the middle of the winter and I actually was finishing it out in the garage and I left it for a long time and um, yeah by the summer rolled around it fit perfectly in the winter but in the summer we were like you know straining to get it open so it definitely yeah yeah, and the 16th of an inch I think that that's a good one you know one thing I was thinking if anybody's interested in doing this if you're kind of curious to see how much of a dramatic change you have um, from season to season take a scrap of wood of what you might you know one that you commonly would use like for me it's like cherry and pine and i have uh two two scraps one for each uh wood and i've marked the the, the time of year that i i did it the specific date and what the actual width of it is and then i set it aside and then periodically i'll come through and i will remeasure it and i'll mark on what it is and i can actually see and then that gives me an idea of how much to estimate when i'm actually doing projects because i have this template mm-hmm. really in front of me that's like all right, you know that this time of year, last year, it was you know like a 32nd of an inch wider than it is right now. And it's really amazing how much of a change, you know, if you don't believe oh, yeah. that there's wood movement, this is a great chance, you know, to really see what's going on in your particular climate. And thus you can design these things, you know, to accommodate it. Unfortunately, it's not my original idea, but I'm no. not saying who the author is who came up with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I actually, uh, I was going to say the same thing, but a slightly different version of that. Um, I know a lot of people get a big, you know, piece of plywood, hang it on the wall, and then they just attach the little pieces of various different species of wood to that board okay. and secure it on one end. So, you know, basically glue like the left hand quarter inch so that it's, you know, stable on the left side. And when it expands, it'll expand to the right. Then you basically get a marker and you mark the location or a pencil, mark the location and say what month it is. Okay. And then let let it do what it's going to do over the course of the year. And you can have a time frame reference. You could say, look, in August, this is where it was. And here we are now in January. And look at where it moved to. That's the kind of uh, movement that this piece of wood or this species of wood can expect to see over that course of time. But, of course, depending, you know, you want the most common width that you're probably going to confront. Uh, a tabletop is certainly going to have more grand total movement than a drawer side. Um, but whatever the most common thing you, you use in your shop or close to it, put that on the board and it's almost like, in a sense, like a humidity gauge on the wall. Right. Sweet. You know, and it, it becomes a very good reference for you. But your your idea and that, I mean, that's that's perfect. That, that's and In fact, what <laughs> just makes a lot of sense to do that is... You know, don't don't guess and don't try and calculate. Just measure, right? You know, if you can think of it. I don't know. I like your idea better. Your idea is so much better. 
Now, I like your idea. Well, I, I like your that. idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I don't want something like that on my wall. That's the problem. I would rather have a dedicated scrap that I, I wrote the number on it and I just remeasure it later. Right. But anyway. Yep. Okay. Enough kissing each other's butts. <laughs> okay. No, your turn. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it is my turn. All right. Uh, it definitely is your turn. Yeah, okay. So here's our next email. <laughs> hey, guys, they say buy 20% more uh, than you need. And what exactly does – oh, 20% more lumber than you need. I, I was thinking 20% of other things. but uh, I was going to say what? Tomatoes? Um, P- yeah, pizza? Uh, grapes? Um, so what exactly does that mean? Now, do I buy a board that I could replace my largest piece with? Should I fudge it up? Uh, and he, he put the fudge in, not me. Um, and mm-hmm. what about some of the other pieces? Do I buy some other backup pieces? It seems now I would buy – more than 20% more, which is not good for the limited funds I've got. Where should my priority lie? Thanks. And that's Dan Muley. He, he, he sent along a little uh, graphic kind of to help me out, phonics. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> he spelled it out for you phonetically. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that, Dan. Like I, I think I had mentioned something to him when I saw this that I am just this side of hieroglyphics. So this works out perfectly. <laughs> but the way he spelled it, I would actually say that would be M-U-L-A. Yeah, I I, I thought about that too, and I'm like, I know if I do that one, I'm gonna totally get called on it. <laughs> so, you, so we could still screw it up, even though he uh, he put that in there. Oh well, right. Well, the way I pronounce things, still, it came out the right way. <laughs> there you go. So, anyways, the twenty percent uh, rules is really the way I look at it, and I don't know if Dan, you said, you know, would you buy one that was specifically would replace like the largest piece? Um, that's not what I really do. It, when it comes down to the 20%, you're just talking a ballpark number here because you don't know for a fact that the largest piece is the one that you're going to screw up when you're, you're doing things. In my workshop, that sure. tends to always be the one, the most critical piece. The is most the one. expensive one. Exactly. It's like the, the dead center one. So it's it's just a general rule. Preferably in a perfect world, we're not going to make mistakes. But again, in my shop, I have to make a mistake, at least a minimum of two on every project. So that's right. where this 20% comes in. And plus on top of it, the 20% to me is also occasionally when you buy your lumber with all the best intentions in the world, you might actually come across one that the color's not the same. The grain is just so whacked out that it's it's not what you're looking for. And by having this little extra in there, not only do you have the oops factor in case you know you make a miscut, but you also have a, a little bit of an oops factor just in case nature wasn't kind to you and gave you something really bad. Um, sure. It kind of works in there. But you can stretch this number. You know, it doesn't have to be 20%. You can go 10%. You can play 15%. Some people like to gamble. Others like to have a little insurance. And that's really the kind of the, the way I look at it. Is it Does it get sure. pricey? It can get pricey. But um, I, I, to me, it's it's you, you, you'll probably save time by having the little extra around versus making the mistake, pulling your hair out, and then discovering that, you might have to drive an hour to get the you know a replacement piece, and then who's going to guarantee that the replacement piece is going to match what you had? Plus, on top of it, chances are you had that wood laying around because remember we're supposed to let this acclimate to our shops. Well, yep. now your replacement piece has to come in and be acclimated, or you can just again gamble and just say I'm just throwing it in, and then have you know all held really break right. loose later on. So that's well, the way I look and- at it. Yeah, and don't forget that extra material is how you start building up your collection. That's right. You know, so I I always look forward to getting an overage, and I understand there's budget issues, but if you've got that wood on hand, it's not like it's going to go to waste. You will eventually use it. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know, buy that little bit extra. Now, he sort of seems to be having trouble deciding what should that 20% be. Right. Should I buy a little board, a big board? But I think the mistake that he's making here, if there is one, is the fact that he's thinking in terms of a plan. 
So he's got big boards, little boards. He's got all the different sizes, and he wants to know which one should he buy spare. Right. Okay. And yep. that's kind of not the way to look at it. I mean, when I when I say twenty percent, I look at how many board feet of material I need, and then I buy that many board feet plus twenty percent. Mm-hmm. He's looking at I need a board of this size, a board of that size, and he's got all the you know he's got it laid out perfectly. So what I would say in that case is forget about the twenty percent. Buy what you need if you've got it. You know, if you you've got it down board to board like that, it's almost like when you need things cut out of a piece of plywood. You can see what each eight foot piece of lumber is going to yield, and chances are, I mean, he might make a little mistake here or there, but chances are he can buy almost exactly the quantity he needs and be okay. Okay. But if if the plan gives you like a total board footage and it says you need thirty board feet to do this project, and it's like an exact number. That's when you just – to make your life easier so you don't make two trips. You, it's To me, I, I add in that extra percentage when I really don't have all the details. Right. You know? So if you just know it's 20 board feet, then don't buy 20. Go ahead and buy 20 plus you know, 10, 15, 20% extra. Um, but trying to think about which board you're going to mess up, which one to buy – I mean, obviously, if you have it all planned out, buy one or two extra boards. Right. Uh, you know, full size boards, and call it a day. Don't don't stress about it too much, and uh, you know, hopefully, you won't make too many mistakes, and that'll be plenty of material for you. There you go. Well, you know, if if you are concerned that the biggest board is the one that's going to be the mess up, I say buy the biggest one, and then worst comes to worst, you mess up one of the smaller ones. Eh, you can always you know redimension the bigger one and down to work with the smaller ones. Yeah, exactly. If you've got obviously, if you've got the bigger board, that can make all of the smaller sizes. So, um, just you know, have it on hand. Right. And, uh, and any leftovers, yeah, you know, build something for your sweetheart. There you go. You know, and I think one thing with this <laughs> sweetheart. Wait a minute, my wife would be really upset with me about that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or your sweetheart, or your wife. There you go. You know, okay. Whichever. <laughs> um, but you know, the one thing that really got me to think about this is. Um, I know myself, and I, I know you probably also, we do everything in board feet. We have our cut list and everything, and we go from there. And I know yeah. a lot of uh, hobbyists probably, you know, we're thinking home center wood because I know a lot of people may not have access to uh, lumber uh, um, stores like we do where we can get a really specialized one. So you may be going to, like, a Home Depot, and you're, you know, buying a you know, a one-by-four. And, you know, so I can I can see where you're thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to have, you know, a couple of one-by-sixes, in that case, yeah. maybe you'll think about it that way. but. Yeah, normally I work completely in board feet and just kind of... Well, have... so that's, that was the impression that I got when I read that. It sounds like that was the thought process I had when I when I first started, and all I knew was Home Depot mm-hmm. and my plan. Right. So I, I, I was buying these boards specifically for their size to be a certain piece, whereas now when I buy wood, even if I'm working from a plan, I don't even think in those terms because usually it just takes too long. I just kind of add up the numbers, get the board feet count and then buy a little bit extra. And and you might get screwed on that. But if you buy that 20% extra, that's why you're buying so much extra is to make sure you can accommodate all those different sizes. So, right. And, you know, actually a lot of those plans, like in uh, a lot of the magazines, like wood, uh, wood magazine, you know, that's the problem I just had with that one bed that I was making was I was following their plans, which was nowhere near what I do. Uh, but it's, right. they have laid out there. It was like the little, like, you know, plank of wood that they have at the end there, along with the plywood where they show you how to lay it out and how to cut the individual ones. So again, that, right. that might be where it's coming in too. So yeah, I can totally see that. Sure, yeah. sure. But I think, you know, I think as long as he – I think he's got enough tools here to, to do what he needs to do. Cool. Um, you know, not a, not a big plan guy myself. I just – whenever I do things like that, it makes me feel like I'm just being – 
I don't know, I'm putting too many eggs in one basket by counting on their numbers and, yep. and everything to be right, you know? So it's like the plans are definitely good for inspiration and as a building block, but ultimately um, the sooner you can get away from plans and just use them as like, like furniture advice as opposed to furniture directions, mm-hmm. um, I think the better off you are. Absolutely. Yep. All my plans are on cocktail napkins and on the back of my hand. Oh, crap. Sweet. Where did I put that one from my wife's bed? Son of a... Yep. You washed it off. <laughs> I did. It's the first time this week. <laughs> nice. All right. So, well, I think that's a uh, another episode in the bag, Matt. Sweet. Wow. I'm so sorry, yeah. everybody. Hopefully you haven't fallen asleep yet. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Now, I would say, again, uh, make sure you, you know, guys, leave us a voicemail. It's just a regular phone. Call us on your... Your fancy little uh, Sports Illustrated football phones, and um, you know, leave us a voicemail. Just yeah. even if it's a comment, we we'd like to hear it as long as it's not negative. You can even call us on those iPhones. We won't hold it against you if necessary. So, uh-huh. so yep, let's get those the- things. What a mess they turned out to be. Oh, man. There was one I year mean, a guy we were at a party with this weekend had one. I almost mugged the guy and made to run for it. But Yeah, they're they're so cool. And it's just, but then there's a lot of, you know, like anything else that, that new, there's a lot of issues with it too. But tangent number six, Matt. Tangent oh. number six. Wow, it's only six? We got eight more to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. That's our quota. So, all right. So everybody, if you want to you know, drop us a line. Definitely do it at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, you know, good old-fashioned mm-hmm. email. You can leave us a voicemail over at woodtalkonline.com. Don't forget to get your name in for the uh, the bandsaw blade from uh, Highland Woodworking, and you can do that oh, at yeah. wtopromo at gmail.com. The new voicemail number is 623-242-2450, but I promise this will all be in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about memorizing it. Just go to the website. You'll see it there. And uh, we'll make it life easy for you. Great. Sounds good. So thanks for listening, guys. And uh, Matt, I will talk to you in a couple weeks. All right, man. You take care. See you.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.